Is this chicken what I have or is this fish? What are you? An idiot sandwich. Idiot sandwich what? An idiot sandwich, Chef Ramsay. I was rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. How dare you? Congratulations, you're a meathead, son. But you know what? Don't ever put your hands on my underwear. This is Where's the lens yeah, I mean, you really don't make friends around here, do you? I... I didn't come here for that. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Snap Back to Reality, the podcast dedicated to the trash TV we grew up with and love to hate. I'm your host, Riley Ennis, and this is episode 69. And I'm back, everyone. Um, sorry for the unexpected absence. I'm just going to be real honest and let you know what happened. It all started with the week of the election, just zapping all of my energy and my motivation to do anything, and then that just sort of snowballed into an extended break, um, which was a good way to end a rough year. I think that I really just like needed some time to myself. So we're going to call that my season one break, and this is uh, the beginning of season two. I guess my seasons are 68 episodes long each. Um, so as promised a couple months ago, I said, I was like, oh my gosh, it's going to be so funny because you'll be here back to back. <laughs> Kelsey is back here to discuss a shot at love with Tila Tequila. Hello, I'm glad to be back. I'm very excited. Oh, I'm so excited to have you as my first guest of season two. <laughs> and episode 69, and a episode special, 69. special honor. Of course. So, Kelsey, tell me what you know about Tila Tequila, about a shot at love with Tila Tequila. Like, what was your experience with that whole situation when it was happening? So I definitely remembered Tila Tequila from MySpace. Uh, mainly, it's just one of those profiles that was, like, constantly being forced upon you as someone that you wanted to, I guess, be friends with because that was, like, you know, you could be friends with people. Um, and then I watched the show, I think, when it was on, like, you know, would wait for the new episodes to come out, like, actively watched it, was not a late adopter. Um, I, when did it come out again? When did the show come out? It was in 2007. 2007. So, yeah, so I would have been in my, yeah, I was living with my uh, friend Kate, and we would watch it together. Um, I think it was one of the trashy reality shows. There was a place called Wow, World of Wings, that had TVs <laughs> in the uh, tables where you would sit. Oh, yes. Would go there to watch all the trash TV that we were, like, too cheap to pay for cable to watch. So it was great, and um, I remember being riveted by it and completely unaware of how problematic it was at the time. So did you enjoy it? Because to me, this one, it was like, I don't know, it's kind of like below the classics. Like it's not on the same level as A Flavor of Love or an I Love New York, but it's always like in the back of my mind. And I don't know if that's just because this was an MTV show as opposed to those other like classic dating shows being VH1. But what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, it wasn't as good as some of the better dating shows, but the fact that there was like girl kissing in it was very exciting <laughs> to me and you know it was something that I wanted to like watch and see is she gonna you know I think I remember at the time rooting for the girls and mm -hmm. like not wanting a boy to win this fucking reality show <laughs> um so I think it like was riveting just because of the subject matter but as like you know yeah like as we rewatched it you know I remember as we rewatched the whole like first season together I was just like yeah this isn't as good as mm -hmm. a dating reality show can truly be. It had its moments for sure. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't up at the the very top. There were some like parts where it dragged for sure. Um, and so this is it encapsulates just a 
just a specific moment in time and in our culture being that like MySpace era at the the end of the first decade, the middle to end of the 2010s. So, or I guess like the 20 aughts, whatever. Um, so what was your experience being on MySpace? Um, so my general experience being on MySpace was I got real into it from the standpoint of like the customers customization of your Facebook or your Facebook, your MySpace page and, mm -hmm. you know, making sure that every single last thing on there represented like who I was and how I felt about things. And I was really into the journal because I on it or I guess the diary, whatever that feature was yes. that you could like, yeah, you know, the bulletin board or whatever. Yeah, because I had, you know, been a user of, you know, the live journal and, you know, a few different um, platforms to kind of let people know what you were up to and your thoughts and feelings in the early internet and my youth. So I was into it, but I wasn't into it like some people, um, the friend collecting, the scene, mm -hmm. the, you know, staged photographs. Like every time I would try to do that, I felt like I just looked stupid and I didn't get how to do it. So I would just like, no, I can't do this. Like I can't be one of those people no matter how much I kind of low-key wanted to be. Um, and I definitely remember like, you know, I had some friends that were into that whole thing and I would spend a lot of time like looking at their pages and looking at all the people that they were connected to and the type of, <laughs> types of things they would share and things like that. Yeah, I was really resistant to joining MySpace when I was younger because I was such a contrarian. So it was really like its heyday when I was in middle school and early high school. And then as I got more into high school, Facebook really took over. Um, so I was only on MySpace for a few years just because I, I was like on LiveJournal and Zanga and I like was on social, I guess it wasn't really social media, but it was these different parts of the internet where I was connecting with people I didn't know in real life. And I didn't really have a desire to connect with the people that I did know because I was just like this awkward, like adolescent. Um, so I kind of wish I had spent more time on MySpace back when it was doing its own thing. Cause I remember, you know, I like, there was recently just like an aesthetic mood board from, you know, that mid two thousands kind of aesthetic. And there was a picture, it was like a screenshot of the MySpace notification. And it was like, one new friend request, two new message requests, two new picture comments. And like, literally just looking at that gave me a shot of dopamine. And I was like, wow, that's yeah. sick. Like, that's yeah. sick. That's still an addiction, like 12 years right. later, however long it's been since I've been on MySpace. Yeah, um, so yeah, I mean, though. I mean, I was definitely still, I was into it when I first got on it, but I wish I had been more into it so I could be more immersed in that culture and see more of that specific line that was drawn, not so much from MySpace to Facebook. I mean, obviously there's that parallel because there was just that great migration, but from MySpace to Instagram, because of what you were talking about with the, the friend collecting and the staged photo shoots, like that very much is like a proto Instagram influencer kind of life. So I guess, I mean, that's what, Tila was known for being what the person with the most friends on MySpace, but is she ever like yeah. labeled as the first influencer? Because I guess that's what she is, right? I guess if you really think about it, because she turned like she was one of those people that turned MySpace into a business. Like mm -hmm. she was definitely getting like paid influencer gigs before that was really even a thing that people did. Like I'm sure she started that in motion because I remember there was definitely a lot of like her wearing like indie underground, you know, kind of street fashion brands and you know talking about them on her page and like tagging them and being like 
you know, oh, they're in my top five this week. Like, oh, you know, it was all definitely oh, like, yes. even if she wasn't getting paid to do it, she was getting free clothes. And, mm-hmm. you know, in essence, that's a form of payment too. So I definitely, you know, she turned, she turned social media into a career before anyone knew how to do that, which is brilliant and weird that this is who Tila Tequila is. Yeah, we're, I mean, we'll obviously get into like who she is now, but it's crazy to think about because I know that she, I mean, because she started on MySpace, that was like, and that's what she was so strongly associated. I feel like maybe she was kind of doomed from the start just with the death of MySpace, like Tequila Tequila's popularity would inevitably die. But I don't know. I mean, it just depends on the person because the right influencer can leverage their fame and, and go to another platform. And maybe if she had just had like the right business managers or whatever teaching her how to do that, she would have turned out differently. Or maybe she always has felt how she feels. And we'll go into that at the end of this episode. Um, and she was always just doomed to show her true colors and be a horrible person. But yeah, it's really strange um, to think about her as being the first influencer, because I really hadn't come to that realization until just now. I had never really thought of her in those terms. I mean, it really me either until you said it. Wow. Breaking news, everyone. If you heard, haven't heard it before, you've heard it here first. You Tequila Tequila was the first influencer. Um, so I didn't watch the show at all when I was younger, which is probably for the best because I, I'm, I'm by, and that would have probably just like confused me. I was closeted and in denial and, and I didn't understand what bisexuality was and that would not have helped. Um, so I'm a little bit thankful that I didn't see it, but also at the same time, I kind of wish I just did have that something, you know, original, my original viewing to compare it to because watching it now, it's like fun to watch the reality trash TV, but knowing how problematic it is, it's hard to enjoy it. Whereas, you know, even going back and watching Flavor of Love, I Love New York, Rock of Love, all of that, obviously now it's like, oh shit, this is horribly problematic, but also I can at least like still enjoy it because I enjoyed it the first time I watched it originally. Right. Yeah, that's true. So let's get into the background of the show itself. So it premiered on MTV, like we mentioned, it was on October 9th, 2007. That first season ran until December 2007. It actually finished airing. The finale was on like December 23rd, which is so weird. Why would this be like a Christmas time? Like let's slot the slot the shot of love finale right around Christmas. That is really interesting. You know, wholesome family entertainment. Yeah, exactly. Um, And there was a sequel, uh, Shot at Love 2 with Tila Tequila, that was released in 2008. Um, It was a bisexual-themed dating show, which I suppose is the first of its kind. I don't think there were any other bisexual dating shows before this, unless they were in, like, other countries, because this is definitely the first American show like this. Um, And I did a lot. I mean, I don't think there were any bisexual dating shows that really followed there are a couple these days there's one oh I forgot what it's called but um it's hosted by Courtney Act who is a drag queen she was on RuPaul's Drag Race season six um I guess she's bi or pan um technically uh I think it's like one of those like technically she's she's bi but I don't I feel like she mostly dates uh men Mm -hmm. um but yeah so there was that one and then I think like are you the one has bi people or has has multi-spectrum sexuality people I haven't seen that's just I think I saw that like somewhere on a list of like 
you may be right like but it hasn't ever been a primary focus like of a dating show like oh no I mean well other than the one that I mentioned with Courtney yeah that one like it was very much like this is a bisexual show but I think it was like slotted as like the first one or like the first one that doesn't suck after yeah. Tina Tequila <laughs> yeah that that makes sense Mm-hmm. So the premise of this show of A Shot at Love was that there were 16 heterosexual men and 16 lesbian women who competed against each other to win Tila Tequila's heart. Uh, they were not aware of her bisexuality until the end of the first episode, and they had to share a home and a bed, a giant bed that they all slept in um, as they competed. So very similar to the same uh, flavor of love sort of sort of vibe, except for they didn't force everyone to sleep in one bed. Would have really yeah. amped up the drama there. Imagine New York having to share a bed with someone. Honestly, missed opportunity. Yes, although we do have to, uh, New York, I just want to say, since we're speaking about it and it's topical, um, she did, I don't know if you saw this, but she was on One Last Chance, I think, like Chance's new dating show, uh, talking to one of the contestants who I believe is a trans woman, saying some like horribly, just violently transphobic things. Ooh. which is really disappointing to hear in 2020. So, you know, of course, like, I'll always look back on classic New York with, like, rose-colored glasses, but I do want to say, like, in 2020, it's 2021, Jesus Christ. In this day yeah. and age, it's really unacceptable for her to still have those views and to be spouting them. Openly. Well, that's un- unfortunate and disappointing. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, since I did bring her up, I did want to go ahead and throw that out there just to, to make my point known. Um, so there were a few sequels and spinoffs to A Shot at Love. So there was A Shot at Love 2, as mentioned, which I guess because the the romance didn't work out at the end of the first season. Surprise, it surprise. Shocked. Shocked, I say. <laughs> she needed a follow-up. Uh, there was also a spinoff called That's Amore, which featured Domenico, who is one of the contestants here in um, this first season, who is an Italian man. I strongly believe he's a producer plant and I stand by that and we'll get into why I think that a little bit later on. Um, so I think I also, it. I also think that maybe it was just like a setup because they're like, oh, we can either, we'll just give this guy a show afterwards or they saw those like, oh, he's funny and like, you know, he works for us. So well, it's easy to give him a show. So Already on the payroll. Exactly. Um, so he had his show and then it also featured another fellow former contestant, Ashley, he was as his consigliere um, that premiered in March 2008. I do want to just note here, uh, because we will not get into it in the Where Are They Now, because Ashley isn't actually in this episode since he gets eliminated prior to the episode that we recap. But Ashley is unfortunately the only, I believe, the only contestant from this season who has passed away since uh, since then. So RIP Ashley. He was what, yeah. a West Virginian boy. He was like a good yeah. old country boy. Good old country boy. RIP. Um then there was also a double shot at love. So this was another spinoff. It was uh, a, the original series premiered in December 2008, and it featured the Iki twins. I did not watch this. I never watched any of these sh- shots at love. Did you watch a double shot? I did not. I think Do I lost interest. you know who interest. these people are? No, I have no idea. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, uh, if Tila Tequila is like a name from 2007, these are like really a name from specifically like 2007, <laughs> 2008 that was very much left there. Very niche. Um, but then in 2019, there was a reboot and that uh, started uh, airing featuring Vinny and Polly D from Jersey Shore, of course interesting i love that mtv just does this now they're just like we have like a cast of maybe 50 people all together and we'll just <laughs> rotate them through our diff- our seven different <laughs> shows 
like they got like are you the one the challenge and then like all the other like little shows that they filter them in from like jersey shore and teen mom and other bullshit like that i really think it's just all related to payroll maybe like mtv <laughs> just does not have a great hr department no capacity <laughs> they're just like we we can't and we can't handle this it, we just need something where we can just like run through the excel spreadsheet real fast and you know random random sort and then you got your teams exactly so let's talk about the controversy of A Shot at Love with Tila Tequila. So the show was in general controversial, I guess, just because it dealt with openly like LGBTQ issues, which was very much not a thing in 2007, unless it was airing on Logo TV. Um, which is kind of wild if you think about how No, that was not that, that long ago. Like, yeah. It was, yeah, it's crazy to think about like the queer revolution that's happened in just like the past 10 years. Um, but in September 2007, a critical article appeared in the Christian Post, which I'm sure was just, like, generally criticizing debauchery and, and lesbianism and whatnot. Um, Tila responded on her blog, criticizing churches for bashing the, quote-unquote, gay community and thanking God for saving her life. Classic response. Um, there were also a few other conservative media organizations that criticized the show, including the Parents Television Council, which named two episodes of the show their worst cable content of the week. Yeah. So that's like a shining star, a little notch in their belt. Right. Fox News reported that Tila had a steady boyfriend while she was filming and the show was a scam and that she was not actually bisexual. In 2007, Tila responded to claims made by Fox and denied them, stating that it was absolutely absurd uh, that they would make such an ignorant statement. But however, in 2018, um, she admitted that the Fox News report was true. She did indeed have a boyfriend while the show was being filmed and airing. Uh, and she stated that she was never actually gay or bisexual and described her presence on the show as being gay for pay. Um, so this is like 2018 is in the midst of, of, of te Tila Tequila 2.0, I guess we're going to call her this new iteration. Um, yeah. So we'll get into what that means and, and unpack that a little bit later on. But um, just hold on to that one. Also, in December 2007, Bobby, who, spoiler alert, ended up winning the show. It's a fucking man. Ugh. Uh, posted a message on MySpace claiming that Tila never called him after the show and no one would give him her number. However, she gave her own reason for the breakup, saying that they couldn't see each other for two months after the finale, they only talked on the phone, and naturally people just move on with their lives, and they tried to keep in touch, but after a while, he just couldn't handle it. Yikes. Can you imagine, though, you're, like, real excited about your fabulous rock star celebrity red carpet life? Uh, you're about to start with Tila Tequila. <laughs> Ooh, Tila Tequila. The just famous won't even return your calls. celebrity Tila Tequila. I just, it's amazing. The Angelina Jolie of MySpace celebrities, if you will. You know? Um, so how did we choose the episode that we were going to be talking about? Um, we considered, I believe, what was it, the second episode where they, they find out that Tila is bisexual and they meet each other for the first time? Or is that the third episode? I forget. Um, but this one has some fun drama at the end, so of course we had to go with season one, episode six, this is The Cat Fight. Good choice. So we get our previously on, um, so in the previously on episode, Tila had hosted the first co-ed competition because previously it had all been battle, like battle of the sexes, boys versus girls teams. So this is where I want to talk about Domenico because there's no other good place to talk about it. 
So when they were doing their boys versus girls in one of the first episodes, they are doing a the little obstacle course where they have this little blow up inflatable, you know, everyone's done them at like block parties and company picnics and shit. You know what I'm talking about? Those like inflatable yeah. things. So they had to run over the inflatable thing and run through another inflatable thing and get to the end of the obstacle course. And look, I'm a feminist, but if you put a team of big, strong, fucking fast men against a team of women and Danny, who's a fucking firefighter, <laughs> the right. men are probably going to get ahead. So the men were like smoking the women. Like they were like three or four people behind them at this point. There was no chance of the women winning. And then comes Domenico, who is like a tiny little scrawny, cute, like he's not very buff, not very tall, not very strong looking, but he's still a man. And look, I'm like a woman and I could climb over those little inflatable things very easily. I just, I don't know how fast I would be because I'm short, but I could still do it. But Domenico goes up and he has to climb this little inflatable wall thing. And it takes him like, I don't know, five minutes. Like he keeps <laughs> slipping and sliding. He's like, oh my God, I can't get over it. And every time he's about to climb over, he slides off of it. And the guys are like screaming, like, what the fuck is wrong with you, dude? But suddenly, right as the women catch up and they allow, like, two or three more women to, like, get by while he's flailing on the wall, that's when he's suddenly able to get over the wall. And, oh, my goodness, yeah, it's neck and neck again. He wasn't – yeah, so as soon as that happened, I was like, producer plant, producer plant, that, that shit right there. I want to get to the bottom of it. I wonder if Domenico is available for interview. I, I mean, actually, he's on IMDb, and he's, he's a working actor as of three, four years ago, so – I don't know how much he's doing right now, but maybe I can get a hold of him. You know, did they make him sign an NDA? This might be a deep industry secret. I mean, we'll I never know. I don't know. I mean, I feel like the the NDA is probably up at this point. Be like, no one. That's is. true. And with my audience ship, it's like, yeah, a few hundred people might find out the secret <laughs> if that. You're busting it wide open. I know. Yeah, yeah. Hottest of takes. So, um, the girls well not the girls two girls in particular got into a fight at tila's house so vanessa and brandy so this kind of sets up their dynamic that goes on in this episode um and they threw well vanessa threw a drink at brandy so that's lovely um and now it's down to four guys and four girls so the episode opens it's morning time everyone's getting ready and vanessa announces a message in a bottle from tila which is her little Tyra male shit that she does. Everyone's got to have their little shtick, right? That's true. I'm just so curious how they came to message in a bottle, like a genie. She's a little genie, I guess. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, because, you know, she's fetishized and exoticized because literally the message says, I'm an exotic girl, and it's time to prove you have exotic tastes. That's right. That's <laughs> right. So Amanda, who um, just is such a – such an interesting woman she is so tall and she just like is like has a beautiful body but her face not that it isn't attractive but it's also just like strange in a way it's like you look at it and she's got all the pieces to be a beautiful woman and then you look at her and you're just like hmm yeah, there's something slightly off yeah um, so yeah Amanda I'm always just like slightly thrown off whenever we get a talking head from her. She says that Tila's a world traveler and she needs someone who can keep up with her, of course. Yeah, because, like, she's so famous, like a fucking Kardashian. So the note tells them to meet her out back, and they all out, walk out back, uh, and we are treated to a lovely sight of 
tables, banquet tables set up in the backyard, um, accentuated by flayed cow's heads, just as the, the centerpiece decor. Everyone's like screaming and freaking out, um, rightfully so, because that's really gruesome. And Awful. He was just standing there laughing like a fucking psychopath. This should have been our first indication that she had a very dark future <laughs> in store. So true. I hate this fucking um, fear factor survivor shit where they make you eat gross bullshit. This is why I could never go on reality TV. Is like as much as I think I could, like, well, okay, I could go like live in the hut and I could like learn how to fish and I could like stay on an island for thirty days and figure the fuck out. I can't eat this bullshit. No, no way. So there are like jars of maggots and cockroaches. <laughs> and okay, this is like I, I don't know if this is my favorite talking head of the episode, but this is probably one of my favorite talking heads of the episode. Because Danny says um, that they're big cockroaches. They're come by and steal your wallet, cockroaches. <laughs> that is good. <laughs> so Tila says that for everyone, uh, or to everyone, that for her career and lifestyle, she has to travel all over the world, and she can't always have the has the food that she wants to eat. So she has to eat like fucking cow balls or whatever they're about to eat. <laughs> I'm sure she's eaten that many times in her world travels. So, uh, yeah, this challenge is designed to make sure that they can handle life on the road with her. So, Tila says in her talking head that the winner is going to get a champagne bubble bath, but she's ready to get down and dirty. So, they open up the first platter, and they have a bull's penis and testicles. Yay! So appetizing. Tila says that whichever guy and girl eat the fastest will face off against each other in the next round. And also, Amanda, who we were just talking about, hasn't eaten red meat in 15 years. So, yeah, this is going to be super fun and easy for her. Such a re reintroduction, man. That's just awful. Of all things. Just like it couldn't be like a delicious, juicy hamburger. Nope. Nope. Um, so, Tila tells them to go, and they all go for it. She's like rooting them on, telling them to swallow those balls and penises. Wow. Thanks, Tila. Such a great cheerleader. She's the true hero of this episode. This is really disgusting. Vanessa says the smell was like formaldehyde and manure, which is so appetizing. Right. Vanessa's like sobbing. She cannot do this, which I cannot. I also. Um, oh, Danny also has another fun talking head where she says this is the first time she's had dick in her mouth and the last time she wants to choke on it. Danny was hilarious this entire episode. <laughs> Danny's always I love hilarious. Danny. Yeah, that's true. Dominica was making a big deal out of spitting and throwing up. Bobby is pretty chill about it, so I don't know what that says about him. Vanessa's crying. She says that she physically cannot get a penis and balls down her throat, <laughs> which I, mean, I, I commend her commitment to her lesbianism, but. <laughs> it was great. And then Tila tells Bobby to, quote, deep throat that thing, and she says, it looks like Bobby's in the lead right now. Bobby loves a penis. I just love the, like, casual kind of homophobia yeah, that like she had to bring to the table. Yeah. Yeah. Why sure. is that so exciting for her? Because she's a sadist. <laughs> so Amanda somehow wins for the girls, and Bobby takes it for the guys. So it's going to be Bobby versus Amanda for round two. And the editing did not make it look like Amanda was doing that well. No, so that I was mean, kind of a shocking win yeah, for the, the viewer. The editing was weird in this whole scene. I feel like the editors also didn't want to watch what they were having to watch. So they were just like, whatever, just throw shit together. Probably exactly what happened. Let's fill out four minutes here. 
So in round two, they have to eat eyeballs, a heart, and wash it down with a shot of blood. So because so upsetting. because you only have eyes for me, and this is all about love. Uh, I hate it so much. It was really it. I struggled with this part. Yeah, I mean, as we both know. The first time we watched it, we had to fast forward through it. So yeah, yeah I think we actually missed like some of Danny's funnier talking heads. We were just like, I don't want to watch this scene. And then we got to the end of this episode, and we're like, damn, we have to recap this episode. I know. So Bobby's going for it, but Amanda is more squeamish this time. Um, watching him down that shot of blood was, like, disgusting. Danny is hyping Amanda up to take the shot, which is hilarious. She's just like, come on, we're at the bar. You can do it. And just the solidarity, like the, the like female solidarity is much mm-hmm. appreciated. You go, girls. Um, and then as I was writing my notes <laughs> – I wrote these notes like weeks ago, so I forgot what I wrote because I like editorialize myself, but I wrote, this is truly so disgusting. I cannot in good conscience continue to recap it to this degree of detail. (laughs) I love it. So Bobby wins. Um, Even Brandy in her talking head says that he deserves something extra special because of doing that. So Tila tells the others that Bobby's going to uh, have a champagne bubble bath with her and all the losers will have to make dessert for them. So Amanda is really upset um, because not only did she just lose that, she also lost her chance at spending time with Tila and compromised her ethics in the challenge for nothing. Uh, and then she also says something about she ate probably 5,000 calories of fat as well. So not great. Yikes. But also like interesting that this is the first time you consider yourself violating your ethics for the show. <laughs> well, you know. Her, she maybe she's like just really like loose and free with her her dating and sexuality but that's, she's she's that's a strict true. vegetarian <laughs> very true so all of the losers have to gather in the kitchen to work on their desserts it turns into a bit of a food fight so that's kind of fun we see amanda and brandy talking about like how fun it was and this is the first time i've mentioned his name because he's so fucking boring but steven and his that's talking true. head is like oh, all i have to do is think about cleaning it up later um, and Brandy calls him a baby. Which, very, very good Brandy. Yeah. So then Stephen and Brandy wrestle over, like, a jar of jelly or something. I don't understand. They're just, like, playing around. It's a little bit flirty, which is kind of weird. Um, although, I think it's mentioned later on that maybe Brandy is, like, not a lesbian. She might be bi or pansexual. Yeah, that's what What's-Her-Face accuses her of in, mm-hmm. in, in, in the big drama that will yeah, be discussed. Yeah, that we'll get to, Yeah. So, yeah, Brandy, maybe it was a little bit flirty. Maybe there was some sexual tension there. I um, felt uncomfortable watching it. Mm-hmm. So, Stephen grabs a butter knife and holds it up to her face, threatening her, and she gets pissed and slaps him. However, I am 100%, 1,000% on Brandy's side, because even if it's a butter knife, I don't fucking deal with that. Like, if anyone jokingly points a knife at me, I, like, don't play with that shit. Well, it was close to her eye, too. It wasn't like it was, like, you know, against, like, her butt. Like, he spanked her on the butt with it. Or, like, something that I could consider innocent. Like, even though a butter knife, like, isn't sharp, it still has a serrated edge. You can still, like, poke someone's fucking eye out with that. Yeah. So, that was – that wasn't great. Danny says that they can all feel the tension. It wasn't just, like, a playful, friendly fight. Steven claims in his talking head here that there was whipped cream on the knife, and he was just trying to smear it on Brandy. Um, but then he has this, like, line where he says, from now on, I'm not going to play with a lesbian who likes to fight when she's on her period. So the misogyny jumps out a lot in, um, these episodes, definitely. 
I just love that, like, when the, the men are no longer having a good time, they just go to, like, some anger about lesbianism. Like, they're yeah. just, like, lesbian. And yeah. it's just very weird. So then Vanessa and Brandy snip at each other some more because they hate each other. Brandy tells her to drink her vodka because that's what makes you feel better. Um, Vanessa calls her a slut and says that's what makes you feel better. So whatever, I guess. Which, same. <laughs> Be a slut. Do whatever you want. Makes me feel great. Uh, Vanessa says uh, in her talking head that as much as she wants to jump over the counter and beat the crap out of Brandy, she wouldn't do it because she's here for Tila. Some some foreshadowing right there. We'll get to. Um, and she says, if I've learned anything here, it's to control myself. And that's what I've been doing. And then the editors, of course, put in some wonderful flashbacks to all of the verbal altercations that she's gotten and just yelling at various people in the house. Where she's she's like, totally by, in control. by far the most volatile woman there. I love it. So meanwhile, Tila's getting ready for her champagne bubble bath with Bobby. We have a gratuitous shot of Tila in her bikini, as always, because we got to objectify the main the main character of the show. It's so interesting how they do this, like with the the women's dating shows, the Tila Tequila, the Isle of New York, the Daisy of Love and shit like that. Where it's like, you know, shot of the women, all blah, 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 boom. But fucking Flavor of Love, Flavor of Flav and Brett Michaels look like dusty old raisins. <laughs> no effort needs to be put into None. this. None. Uh, anyway, it was just like, whatever, of course. Uh, the male gaze is everywhere. Um, so the bath that they are taking by champagne bubble bath, they mean literally in a giant champagne glass. So that's fun. Um, there aren't really bubbles in the bubble bath unless that's actual champagne in the glass that's just like lightly fizzing. So I have questions there. Well, and also it didn't look like it had a place for them to sit. It looked like they just had to kind of like awkwardly perch on the like perch. sloped glass. Exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. how it is. There are, um, if you look up a pretty cool hotel tour on Instagram, uh, this uh, couple, they go around to all these cool like themed hotels. And there's one in, I believe, Pennsylvania. Um, that has a champagne bubble bath that looks exactly like this. So if you want a reference for what we're talking about, that's what I would look up on Instagram. That's what I recommend. But Very good. <laughs> um, so she's ta- in her talking head, she says that she's able to get Bobby's guard down, a.k.a. she got him liquored up, and they were really able to connect because, yeah, they have these deep conversations when they're on these one-on-one dates. Wow. Um, so she says that her rock star lifestyle can be kind of lonely, and Bobby says that he can see her sweet side and somewhat he's he wants no he can see that she has a sweet side who wants someone there to protect her. Ugh. Okay. She was into it though. Um, and then of she's like, she is. and then I don't know what what the fuck is this conversation? She's like, well, maybe I'm just meant to be lonely forever, and he like waits a beat too long, and he's like, no, that's not the case. Yeah, it felt a little forced and contrived, but also maybe just, like, a little bit of insight into, like, the fact that Tila's actually, like, kind of disassociated from what's happening around her and is lonely because she's struggling to make connections with human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Bobby says some cheesy shit about how Tila's the last thing he thinks about at night and the first thing that he thinks about when he wakes up in the morning and then it's makeout time. And then... And then he tells her that he loves her. Which, that's a bold, bold, bold move. choice. Bold move. 
Uh, Taylor says in her talking head here that that put her in an awkward spot because even though she is falling for Bobby, she's also falling for other people as well. Um, and then Bobby, it just ends with him saying that hopefully I'll never have to eat penis and balls again, but everything I did was worth it. Aww. How heartwarming. So after the champagne bubble bath, they go back out and meet the rest of the gang to eat the desserts that she forced them all to make, which I guess she was just like, make us desserts, because everyone just made their own thing, which results in a ton of desserts. Yeah, it was it was interesting, and I, I kind of wanted to be there for the spread. It looked good. Well, some of it looked good. Um, yeah. Amanda made a chocolate cheesecake that Tila's super into, and it does look really good. Um, and then Tila was also very impressed that Amanda broke her 15-year vegetarianism for her today so I guess even though she didn't win she still like got points in her book and then Domenico this is the other dessert that we really see made a butthole cake like it just looks like it's a a, like an anus on the top of the cake (laughs) uh it was also apparently disgusting because Tila like immediately spits it out and I think they say that it has tartare on it like what the fuck is it doing in there I think he dusted the outside with cream of tartare thinking oh, that that was something cream of delicious tartar. oh yeah okay. tartare is definitely okay that's better yeah not great but better than tartare yeah <laughs> um so tila says has like one-on-one time with everyone which is like it's so chaotic and awkward because i guess she just like goes from person to person and decides when she like is done until occasionally someone will come over and and interrupt and then the other person will just leave i feel like there should be more of a scheduled like everyone gets 20 minutes and we're gonna go in this order kind of situation here well i got the feeling that that was the situation and maybe like the producer was like okay this is boring you go like interrupt and create conflict that's very true that's very valid that probably is what happened um, Tila mentions in her talking head once again that she's trying to figure out if she wants to be with a guy or with a girl because that's exactly how it works with being bisexual. You just choose one gender forever. That's no. it. It's the big choice. That's and it. You do it on a reality TV show. <laughs> you on do MTV. it on a, and you're like, this is it. I, now I'm no, I'm a lesbian because I chose a girl. For life. Bisexuality cured. Um, she says that she also never would have imagined falling in love with more than one person at a time, which if anything, that's like the one thing I can see for her. Yeah, that <laughs> is, would be, that's the thing you learn about yourself. That's Tila. like the one thing that makes sense for her in her life. So Tila's cuddling with Danny when Steven comes over and climbs onto the lounger with them and just like turns it into like an awkward, like Tila sandwich where Danny and Steven are the bread. Um, T- Danny's upset. She tells him that it's awkward. Tila gets turned on by Danny getting angry, and then Danny gets up and leaves Tila with Steven. So now Tila and Steven are just hanging out, holding hands on the lounger. Like, I don't understand, like, what Danny's motivation was. And then what she does is she goes across the yard, and then she yells at Steven and Tila from across the yard. She's like, screw you, Steven, for screwing up my date. And Steven's like, ah, shut up. I want some peace and quiet. And then he makes out with Tila, but he's just, like, straddling her, and Tila's not into it because she's like, oh, it just feels like he's just, like, wanting to to kiss me for the sake of kissing me and, like, winning something. So this whole sequence was very strange that I did not understand, like, what the – I didn't understand why Danny got up. Yeah, it felt forced. Like, none of it made sense. It all felt very forced. Like, everybody was just kind of doing, like, what they were told to do, but mm-hmm. yeah, it was weird. Yeah, I feel like this is – maybe this is why it just didn't have as much – cultural like longevity as 
I don't know, Flavor of Love or whatever, that's like the biggest comparison. It's like, it does have these moments where the editing just doesn't really make sense. Yeah. So we cut over to Brandy and Tila's time alone. And Tila's just like, oh, Brandy's so cute. She's getting cuter every day. She's like squeezing her face, whatever. And so then, then we have Vanessa glaring at them from across the patio. And then she gets up and she decides to interrupt. However, we have to talk about her walking over there wearing pants that have no waistband and have these huge open V cuts on either side and yet are somehow staying up on her ass. I need, I need someone to explain the physics of the pants. They made no sense. Were they attached to the underwear? Was it like all like a whole thing? Like, or the underwear was actually keeping the pants up? It's like her butt cheeks are what's clinging onto the pants. I was fascinated. Is there double-sided tape involved? Maybe there was double-sided tape involved. Maybe. Yeah, it was confusing. Really a commitment to to that gene. Um, Fashion. So Vanessa walks over there and she says, I didn't want to wait for you to come get me. I wanted to come get you. Brandy decides to be the bigger person or so she says and let Vanessa intrude. And so then Vanessa and Tila hang out for a bit and Tila says that she's just over by, she's drained of the drama uh, or she's over the drama. She's drained by everyone. And she's like, bye, I'm going to go upstairs. So then the next day, Domenico comes downstairs and he finds a message in the model. So Tila says in her talking head that she's just tired from all of the drama um, so she says that in the note, it's time to put up or shut up. Meet me in the living room. So they all go into the living room. They sit down on the couch. And so Tila's there. And on the coffee table, there are a bunch of cards that say either most compatible or least compatible. So what she says that they're going to do is write down who they think, without voting for themselves, who they think are the most and the least compatible for Tila. And so she gives them 15 minutes to do this task, which seems like too much time. Seems like you need five minutes to get that shit done. Yeah, I feel like you should know that right away. But one comment I didn't make to you, but I was thinking of, no. is that the the mechanics of the board were a little confusing because mm-hmm. it was clear when you opened it up, the flap that you would think was incompatible was actually the compatible flap because when you pulled it down, it showed compatible on the lower flap and then compatible on the fla- upper flap that was still closed. So, like, I wonder if some of the incredibly intelligent people on the show had to have, like, a producer explain, no, that's where you write where the com- who the compatible is, and that's where you write who the incompatible is, because it'll look good on TV. The boards were confusing, and I thought at one point that they had two different boards, and one that was, like, most compatible and one that was, like, least compatible. Yeah, no, it was just a weird, it was, like, a weird, like, flippy. I might have to rewatch it, because I don't even, I mean, like, I don't even understand what I was supposed to do with that shit. So, yeah, I think that was it. It's that the contestants just had to have, you know, okay, this is where you write this. Maybe they had to give them new ones because they fucked up a few times. <laughs> like, I, like, like I hope they have the extra. Thing. They made yeah. the props department make extras. Or some of those answers were just the answer because that's what the person accidentally wrote and they didn't even mean it. <laughs> so they all make a big show and they're talking heads about how hard it is to choose someone. Oh, how can I choose anyone that's not myself or most compatible? And then Brandy's like, oh, at least compatible is going to be hard because there's going to be a fucking confrontation that I don't want to deal with. So and that Tila, makes sense. Yeah, definitely. So Tila goes around the room and has them share what they wrote, which this feels very, like, Survivor-esque in this moment. So they start with the most compatible. So Bobby says Brandy. 
Vanessa also says Brandy, which was kind of shocking, but her reasoning, which I love, this is like some bullshit Scorpio reasoning. Like this is something that I would absolutely say. She's like, well, Brandy's a lot like myself and I think me and you are the most compatible. So it would make sense that Brandy would be the most next compatible. Wow. <laughs> so she's how to get her little like her little bit in there. Yep. Um, Danny says Domenico because he's cool and because Danny likes him. Like they're just like buddies. I, I, that was interesting. I wasn't expecting that at all. I know. I immediately thought of like least compatible. I was like, probably Domenico because he's just like some goofy, like Italian guy. He's just there. He's just like a caricature. He's not a real person. Yep. Um, Steven says Bobby because he says that it makes him nervous when he and Tila have one on ones. Brandy says Amanda because she has her shit together and she says that Tila needs someone who has her shit together. Um, I'm like, well, wait on, wait to tell on yourself, girl, that you like yeah, don't have your really? shit together. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, and then Domenico also says Danny is just like because they're buddies. <laughs> Reciprocal friendship. Okay, this is the first time I've mentioned this guy in the entire episode. I said Stephen was boring. This guy is a thousand times more boring. Fucking Ryan. Who the fuck is Ryan? That blonde guy. He's really boring. Oh, yeah. I he contributes see. nothing to this I, I had already episode. forgotten about him. I just, like, literally, I only mentioned his name because it's the first time his name's been mentioned in the entire notes. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, boring guy. Boring guy, Ryan. Yep. Um, so then Amanda also votes for Danny for most compatible. Ryan says Danny, too. Like, Danny's, like, really going to win. Um, so she wins. She gets to have quality time with Tila over dessert that night. That's her prize. And now dramatic music, blah, 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 blah. It's time to do the least compatible. So we start with Steven. Steven says Domenico. Ryan also says Domenico. Says that Domenico has a lot to learn about himself before he can he can love Tila, which I feel like it's like you got to act like an actual human person and not just like a cartoon character before you can love Tila. <laughs> Um, he's like being all sad though and Brandy has to comfort him on the couch yeah he cries he's very emotional I appreciate that but Uh, interesting Vanessa for least compatible says Ryan because quote I forget his name sometimes he doesn't stick out in my mind same solidly (laughs) same girl it's like literally in my notes I was just like yeah I wrote two minutes ago who is this guy who is he who is he who is he um, Amanda says Vanessa says that Vanessa needs too much male and female attention from everyone and that she's naked a lot. And then Vanessa's response is, I like being naked. I'm always naked. Which is like my annoyance with Vanessa, she's like been my least favorite character, but her answers are like my most favorite character, and I'm I'm intrigued. I know. Vanessa it because she's like she's like I don't know, I wanna like her. I'm really drawn to her. But she's also horrible, and she's annoying. But I just, like, I I don't know. I want her maybe just, like, commit to the bitchiness a little bit more. Maybe just, like, lean into it and be a little bit more of a villain. And then it would just, like, be fine. It would go so far that it would be okay and, like, be really fun and cool. I could get that. Yeah, I could get behind that. Yeah. But, um, so then we have Danny. Danny also votes Vanessa for least compatible. Domenico and Bobby also vote for Vanessa. And then Brandy votes for Vanessa shucker so Vanessa's crying and she asked Tila if she can say one more thing okay so she goes I'm not a snitch Brandy told me she isn't sure if she wants a guy or girl snitch 
total snitch. But, and also, she's been accused, like, she's been guilty of the same thing. Yeah, so, yeah, Vanessa was accused in one of the first, and even maybe the first episode where they were all, like, together in the bed, the first night when everyone had to sleep together in that giant bed to, like, I don't know, get, like, fucking around and getting handsy under the sheets with Steven. That's right. Yeah, so, and then, like, Tila's literally in the exact same position of, I don't know if I want a guy or a girl, so, like, what does it matter if Brandy's in that position? What does it matter if you didn't pick a lesbian, you picked another bi girl for your, like, bi girl side? Like, whatever. And so, it was, whatever. Right, it's hypocritical. So, Brandy's pissed, and she's like, oh, so you're really going to be a conniving liar, which also, is she lying? Because I don't remember Brandy ever saying that to Vanessa, saying, like, I don't know if I want a guy or a girl. Yeah, that is, I, I, it did sound like a complete, like it was possibly a complete fabrication, one of those like last ditch efforts. Mm-hmm. But I will say Brandy's reaction, like the fact that she started crying, like if someone just straight up lied on me, I would just be like, okay, you're just fucking lying. Like I wouldn't even get that upset. Maybe yeah. I would. I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes when someone like lies so blatantly, you're just like so shocked that you are like that upset. That's true. Um, yeah, but yeah, Brandy starts crying, and she says, like, oh, I, I, I know what I want, which I guess is Tila. Um, so Tila's like, well, the votes are in, and you and Vanessa were voted least compatible, so before my date with Danny tonight, I'm gonna have dinner with you, so you have a chance to let me know what's up. And so now everyone's so mad because they, like, voted Vanessa into having a date with Tila. Plot twist. And so Amanda's like, well, Vanessa's just going to lie and cry and manipulate and do whatever she needs to do to stay here. So, you know, if I was in that situation, I'd be like, let her do it. Yeah, whatever. So we have Tila and Vanessa's dinner date in the treehouse. Which, has the treehouse been a thing already? Or are we just now finding out about the treehouse? Yeah, she says that as if the treehouse is something that we know. Yeah. Okay, but... Yeah, so they're, they're, they're like, we're going to have dinner in the treehouse. Tila says it's her last chance to prove, you know, prove what she's all about. So Tila opens their dinner convo by saying that things get dramatic whenever Vanessa's around. And Vanessa's just like, I had no idea what the hell that was about. She says that people are coming at her because she she's too much competition. Um, <laughs> so then she just starts, like, going off and talking nonstop for the entire rest of the date. Uh, we get this gym. As much as I have a hard shell, on the inside, I'm soft. I beat the shit out of somebody, then I go home and cry. Iconic. So soft. <laughs> so soft. Such a sensitive soul. So Tila's, like, picking up on Vanessa saying that she doesn't want to talk about the drama, but she's, like, continuing to bring up Brandy and the others. Um, we also see a clip of Vanessa saying that she doesn't feel like she needs to get deep and ask Tila thousands of questions about herself. But Tila, in her talking head, is like, yeah, but you didn't ask me one question about myself. Um, so she claims everything's because of jealousy. And Tila's like, okay, whatever. And just starts eating her dinner and doesn't even try to have a conversation with anymore. Just lets Vanessa talk and talk and talk. And that was, you know, I know sometimes I can edit things, but that definitely was clearly what was going on there. Yeah. Like, I could feel that in my bones, that kind of awkward dinner. Mm-hmm. And so it ends on Vanessa in her talking head saying, she's like, yeah, I feel like me and Tila really connected on our date, and I would be really surprised if I got eliminated. Delusional. Um, also, they open fortune cookies, and Vanessa says, you have a charming way with words. So, was that in, like, I was know. that a, 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 a plant? Like, I have questions about the fortune cookies. So what did Tila say? I know, I know, I know, I know. So many questions about these fucking producers, because they can't trust them. Nope. 
Um, so Tila says that after the date with Vanessa, she was really looking forward to her date with Danny. So Danny has a talking head where she says that Tila is her ideal girl and there's nothing wrong with her, which is okay. Sure. Cool. Why? <laughs> Why Tila? Um, Tila's really into her, which is a stark contrast to her date with Vanessa. Uh, and she says that in her talking head that she usually likes lipstick lesbians, which is such a funny, like, I guess semi-outdated term. I never hear anyone using the term lipstick lesbian in, like, 2020, 2021. It's just him, you yeah, know? That's true, yeah. Um, and she says she's never really been with a butchier girl. But Tila's like, oh, were you ever into wearing dresses? And Danny says she would never wear a dress. Uh, she does use the R word to describe herself as how she looks in dresses, so we don't love that, but it was also 2007, so I guess Danny can get a little bit of a pass on that. I don't and think it was the first time in this season that that was oh, just done no, either. So. Of course not, of course yeah. not. Um, she also says that she would look like a drag queen in a dress, which is funny. Yeah. Um, so they make out, and Danny feels like their connection was really strong and feels like there's no way that she's getting sent home. And so one of those two things is true between Vanessa and Danny. That's true. So we have a, like, quick little scene where Tila does her, like, pre-elimination, like, decision-making, and, like, all of the contestants' pictures come flashing up on these, like, flat-screen TVs. But they always had to have this scene, like, before every elimination ceremony, just be like, they're making their choice and considering it. The only way they can do it is by looking at big giant pictures on a TV <laughs> on of a each TV person. Screen. Yeah. So they all make their way into their elimination foyer area, wherever they are, somewhere, just like a random foyer in this strange large house. That's true. <laughs> that's true. And so Amanda's in her talking head says that she loves Tila and that's kind of big. And she says that she's feeling very confident. So like all of these people are just like declaring their love in this episode. Tila, you know, the, she's intoxicating. It's hard to resist. Clearly. Um, so Tila comes out. There are only eight contestants left. She says that deciding who was most and least compatible for her was really painful, but it was also very helpful in her decision-making and that two people will be leaving. So usually it's like a guy and a girl that leaves every episode. So Amanda is the one who gets the very first tea. Um, so this is where we see, because she walks right up to Tila, we get a bird's-eye shot, and we see how fucking tall she is compared to tiny little Tila Tequila and it's hilarious. Yeah. It definitely looks like 10,000 little like lesbian porno scenes that I see scrolling through <laughs> Pornhub. Like you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Amazon woman. Amazon and, woman with the tea. Yeah exactly. Oh Petite god. Asian girl exactly. This is bullshit. Um, also when she hugs her she like basic, basically just like envelops Tila. Uh, Tila comes up to her tits like she's like tit level. It's, it's a cute, it's cute. So Bobby gets called next, so he's just happy that he wasn't called last. Um, Ryan, for some fucking reason, gets called instead of sent home, so, like, whatever, bro. And then Vanessa- You need to have that boring character that's just there until you need to get rid of one interesting character. Yeah, but I don't know. He could have gone this episode, because we still have Steven. No, um, right. Yeah, Steven's the one who ends up going home, so- like two boring white guys but it's even slightly more interesting than ryan ryan uh so vanessa has a talking head where she says that like whatever it comes down to in the end she just doesn't want it to be her and brandy so of course that sealed her fate yeah so danny gets called vanessa and brandy are about to cry 
Danny like fucking brown noses when she gets up there and she's like, Oh yeah, I have so much respect for you, Tila, for having to make such a hard decision. It's like, okay, bitch, you already got your key. Like walk <laughs> <Sit> down. <laughs> there are only two keys left, so there uh, are four people left. Tila asked the four to step forward. It's Vanessa, Brandy, Domenico, and Steven. And then against all odds, she calls Domenico's name first. So yeah. good to go, Domenico. Go Domenico. Steven is kind of like shook. Domenico has his talking head where she, he's like, oh, she can't get rid of me. I'm a little puppy dog. And she really likes that. Um, and he has, like, Stephen has a really mature uh, response to her, like, eliminating him. He just says, hey, you don't have to apologize for anything. It's your decision as long as you're happy. And he, like, hugs all the other guys and tells them, make the best man win. But So, like, fuck the lesbians, I guess. It's, like, an unexpected response for how competitive he was being, but also completely expected with how little he cared about and it was just about winning yeah yeah that's very true um so it comes down to brandy and vanessa of course uh they're both crying tila's about to cry and then tila says that brandy still has a shot at love so brandy takes a step forward to tila to get her key and then in this moment we have vanessa fucking lunge for her grabs her by the hair and wrestles her to the ground they knock over this giant prop key stand where all the keys are hanging off of it Production and security are rushing over. I think some of the guys even rush in to try and break them up. Tila's crying. This is like the best fucking cat fight in reality TV, and no one talks about it. Yeah, it was really, it was really dramatic. Like, you this know. was more dramatic than New York grabbing Pumpkin by the hair. Oh, this yeah. was more dramatic than, like, I mean, this was more dramatic than Bad Girls Club, like Ripsy's fight on the stairs. I will say there's been way more dramatic Bad Girls Club fights. Mm -hmm. um, like, things have seen. happened yeah, yeah. and stuff in Bad Girls Club history. But I will say, like, for early reality TV fight level, like, I don't think anyone was expecting that. And that's why it got so bad. It's because, like, the security genuinely never expected to have to, like, take some punches and kicks and hits to, like, break up a girl fight. Yeah. So they literally drag Vanessa kicking and screaming off of Brandy. Like, they're trying to take her out of the room, and she's hanging onto the doorway with her hands, like, to avoid being taken from the room. Like, I used to do when I was a child, when I was, like, four years old, and I was being taken to time out. Or, like, when you try to take a cat into, like, the bathroom <laughs> when it knows it's about to be put in the shower or something. Yeah, she, like, slams glasses off the bar, and she's crying, and she says that she wants Tila more than anyone else wants her. Um, oh, so Vanessa's, like, screaming. Brandy is sobbing uncontrollably. And then she goes up to Tila, and she's like, I can't do this. I can't do this. Vanessa's, like, screaming up the stairs. I guess she's, like, walking downstairs. Like, I guess, like, production, like, you cannot come up here. They're probably stand stationed right outside the room. Yeah, like, walk, probably. the fuck downstairs. So she's like, don't you believe her lies? She's a conniving bitch. I'm here for you. And then my favorite the best <laughs> moment of the episode so she gets to the the very front door it's like she's in the little foyer at the very front door and she's like i'm not leaving tila i'm here for you and then very dramatically she sinks to the ground and she lays there but it's like not even like she falls to the ground she just like very like slowly like lowers herself it's yeah so funny she didn't want to hurt herself it's just like she's like oh i'm over it and she just falls down the girl didn't have a fainting couch. She had to make do with what she had. 
So it ends with a to-be-continued message, very dramatic. And, of course, I hate to leave on a on a uh, cliffhanger, but we had to talk about that cat fight. We had to talk about fucking Vanessa falling down and just, ugh, it's so good. Chaos. Just the chaos. All right. And so let's... Brandy, like, bailing, being like, I can't do this anymore. Like, bitch, you, she's out. Oh, the yeah. one problem you have is now out of the house. She's not yeah. going to be allowed back in. Like, Maybe she just, like, really got her shit rocked during that fight, and, like, she just, like, was not thinking straight, because she had just gotten, like, her face beaten in. Yeah, but, yeah, she's, like, very dramatic about it. She's like, I can't do this. I gotta go. Um, okay, let's do our where are they now. So, we're gonna speed through the contestants, because we have a lot to talk about with Tila. We'll start with Danny because Danny was, like, the biggest person after Tila. So, she was the final female contestant and the runner-up of the show, and she became a bit of a lesbian icon after the show, which I didn't know. Um, Curve, which was a lesbian media site, I guess, referred to as the first lesbian girl next door. The Miami Herald also called her South Florida's most eligible lesbian. She was on a season three episode of Courtney and Kim Take Miami, which was called Let's Be Honest, and that aired in 2013. Um, She also stated that she was going to start a clothing line called Butch Apparel to cater to women who prefer gender-neutral clothing and and menswear, just like in women's sizes. However, she only ever operated a now-defunct website called Pink Boy Blue Girl, which sold t-shirts and tanks. Um, she endorsed Hillary Clinton in the 2016 election, and she is on Instagram as at Danny D-A-C. She's very butch looking now, so if you want to go look her up, she's like a cool butch lesbian. I thought she was real cute in her Insta pics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then we have Domenico. We'll talk about him really quick. So like we mentioned, he was on That's Amore in early 2008. Um, and then he has two other IMDb credits, so I guess he is an actor, uh, one was from 2016, it's called The Lonely Italian, and the other one was from 2017, called Caravaggio, My Mother, and the Pope. So I'm assuming both of those are, like, Italian films, I guess? Interesting. Um, Brandy, I tried to find something on her. I only found a TMZ article from 2008 where she was arrested for possession of a meth pipe after she was pulled over for having windows that were tinted too darkly. Uh, she's on Twitter but hasn't tweeted since 2012. So um, wherever you are, Brandy, I hope you're doing okay. Yeah. Vanessa uh, has a couple of IMDb credits to movies, um, Mr. Hush in 2010, Paranormal Captivity in, I I didn't write down what year that was, I wrote down which role she played, so whatever, I wasn't thinking when I did that note. But this, this I love, she was apparently worked for the casting department on A Double Shot at Love in Jersey Shore. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, so that's what it was on her IMDb credit. So I guess, I don't know if like Sally Ann Salsano was just like, all right, girl, you want to come work for us? Huh, getting jobs. Like I said, the HR at MTV is very small. Exactly, yeah, there's a very small little pool. Um, and then I didn't bother looking up Stephen or Ryan because they're boring as fuck, and I only yeah, mentioned them like twice in this entire episode. Boring men don't matter. Okay, let's talk about Tila Tequila. We have a lot to talk about. So after the show, so remember how at the beginning I said that in 2018, she was like, oh, I was, I was gay for pay. I was never bi. After the show, she came out as a lesbian and said she was yeah. not bi. She was a lesbian and claimed that she wanted to pick Danny, but producers wouldn't let her. So we don't know what the truth is here. She's been all over the map with the Kinsey scale. Yeah. Um, 
she released a single in 2007 called Stripper Friends, a music video released. I on- remember that. <laughs> you remember that? Yeah. All my stripper friends. I don't know that's that. Wow. Went. That's very good. Yeah. Well, I remember it. Uh, it's, it failed to chart, but it charted in your heart, clearly. It did. She had another single called Paralyzed that was released in 2008. Do you know that one? Uh, no. Very good. Um, in de- December 2008, she released a self-help, bo- self-help book called Hooking Up with Tila Tequila, A Guide to Love, Fame, Happiness, and Being the Life of the Party. Wow. I love a mid-2000s reality star, starlet heiress writing a quote-unquote self-help book that has a extremely long title like that. You know, like a, a Paris Hilton sort of thing, Confessions of an Heiress. Yeah, yeah, I kind of want to read it now. I know, me too. Um, in 2009, she partnered with Joe Francis to launch the now-defunct dating website called TilaHotspotDating.com. Ooh, a niche dating website. That's very mid-20-teens. I love yeah. it. Um, in 2010, she decided to reinvent herself. She changed her stage name to Miss Tila. She released a single um, under the new name called I Fucked a DJ. It received a negative review and failed to chart. <laughs> in 2010, she launched her celebrity gossip blog, MissTilaOMG.com, and then she had the EP Welcome to the Dark Side. And as far as the music goes, that actually had more positive reviews. It was influenced by classical music and artists such as Nina Simone and Billie Holiday. So that's kind of interesting. Maybe I want to, like, look that up and see how that uh, sounds. Um, And then her gossip blog became her personal blog in 2012. Um, She toured to support her EP, and she appeared at the August 2010 Gathering of the Juggalos. No. She was repeatedly pelted with rocks (laughs) and bottles, among other objects, and she vowed to take legal action against the organizers and the promoters of the event. That's wild. Yep. Um, she also, during this time, uh, a sex tape that featured her in a lesbian threesome was leaked. She tried to buy back the tape before its release, but she couldn't come to terms with the production company, which, uh, guess what it was? It's the fucking sex video company that's everywhere. Got their hands oh, in fucking everything. It's Vivid? Vivid. Yep. Oh, The shit. thing that had, uh, Farrah. Interesting. Um, she also later starred in a sex tape that won a 2015 AVN award for best celebrity sex tape. However, in 2015, she had already started down her Nazi path, so we don't love the AVN for, like, rewarding her for anything. Yeah. Um, as of 2018, she sells artwork online under the name Tornado Theon. So we're going to talk about her personal life a little bit, and then we're going to get into, like, the Nazi shit. So. Okay. Personal life, um, in September 2008, she was allegedly choked and restrained by a former former boyfriend, Shawnee Merriman. Uh, There was some civil legal action that was pursued on both ends, but both sides ultimately ended up dismissing their cases. And then in December 2009, oh, okay, actually, I think this was September 2009 that this happened. So then December, so like two, three months later, um, she started dating and then, or she was engaged to heiress Casey Johnson of the Johnson & Johnson heiress portion uh she was photographed with a diamond ring despite only knowing her for a few months then casey johnson died on january 4th 2010 of complications from diabetes so that is a very like strange suspect relationship 
Um, actually, Troy McKeady did one of his very first episodes of Denzo, formerly known as the Smush Room. This was like, that's what it was called back when that released. I think it was episode four. So if you want to check that out, recommend that for some more ah. background on Tila and Casey. Um, so Tila checked into rehab in March 2012 after uh, attempting suicide by overdose on pills. This incident caused her to be hospitalized with a brain aneurysm. So I don't know if maybe that also had something to do with the things that came after 2012 because that's when things really start to get dark. Um, mm-hmm. She did give birth. She's given birth to two daughters, Isabel Monroe Nguyen in 2014 and her second daughter, Annabelle, in two, uh, 2018. All right, so... We're getting into the Nazi shit, so trigger warning for the shit that's about to come. So, December 2013, she posted an article on her website, Why I Sympathize with Hitler, Part 1. And so, although she stated that her views on Hitler were not derived from anti-Semitism, nor any feuds against Jewish people, um, it was still pro-fucking-Hitler, obviously. Uh, She also posted pro-Hitler and anti-Semitic comments on Facebook, which um, showed, (laughs) as well as photos of herself, uh, as a scantily clad Nazi posing in front of uh, Auschwitz con- concentration camp. So that really angered her Facebook followers, and that resulted in her profile being shut down. Then in 2015, people were still giving her media attention. She became a contestant on Celebrity Big Brother UK. Um, it was Series 16. However, she was asked to leave on the second day when the producers became aware of her comments and photos. But this was 2015, so like Google existed very yeah, well that time. there was no exist- excuse for that shit. Yeah. Um, at that time, she apologized for the earlier comments, and she blamed them on depression and drug addiction. So then, uh, in 2016, she tweeted that um, Ben Shapiro should, quote, be gassed and sent to Israel, um, and says that there are only two things in this world for which I would gladly sacrifice my own life, the destruction of all Jews and preservation of the white race. She also said... You know, it will help Asians earn respect. An Asian version of Adolf Hitler. I want that person to be me. I want to save the world from this Zionist disease. Um, In 2016, June, she accused Sarah Silverman and the Jews of killing Jesus before saying that the comedian was next on a, quote, celebrity sacrifice list. Also, on my birthday, November 19th, 2016, which was also my last birthday before Trump was elected, so probably like the last, the best birthday I had in the last four years, uh, she attended an alt-right National Policy Institute meeting celebrating the election of Donald Trump. Oh, I guess this was after Donald Trump was elected. Oh, fuck, I did the math wrong. <laughs> My dumbass. So this is probably the worst birthday I ever had since this is the first one after Trump was elected. Um, yes, so it was organized by Richard Spencer, and so this was where, uh, where like, recently the most, pic- the most recent pictures have come out that people have probably seen of her where she was doing the Nazi salute, um, and she posted on Twitter with the quote, Sig Heil, and like the raised hand emoji. And then in 2016, uh, November 22nd, her account was suspended by Twitter. Consequently, she joined Gab. No news on whether she's on Parlor now, but I bet she is. I'm sure she's there. Uh, She also is a flat earther. Um, She's also on Instagram currently. It's a bunch of like fundy bullshit, so... She's, yeah, leading a really dark life. I also saw, I think it was, like, a TikTok or something of her, like, on Halloween, like, talking to children about, like, the devil or, or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's that? definitely done stuff like that. Yeah. So, Tila has really, really spiraled. Uh, so, yeah, I had to, had to talk about all of that dark shit that happened, but. So unfortunate that she can't just be something that we get to enjoy and you know, now she's just queer and her life is great. Nope, none of that. Nope, nope. this is why we can't have nice things. 
Um, so as far as the show goes, does it hold up slash is it worth a rewatch? As far as holding up, I would say no. <laughs> Just in the sense that it's like problematic as hell. Uh, worth a rewatch? I mean, yes, if you love those trashy reality TV dating shows, like it's it's great. It's that same level of trashy trashy bullshit, but just like you gotta know that it's horrible and that Tila Tequila is a horrible person, and you know, uh, you should pirate that shit. I hope that we did not contribute to Tila's like. I hope she didn't get royalties from us having bought the DVDs. Um, you know, it, it's possible, but it's also possible. it's, it's also probably possible. just MTV. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking is like, you know, they like screwed so many people out of the contract. Like I bet they didn't give her DVD royalties. Um, let's also take a moment here to talk about the fact that we bought the supposedly uncensored, the un, the quote unquote uncut and uncensored DVD that was so censored, we could not see ass or titties or dick or nothing. Gucci. Or Nothing even the middle finger. They blurred the middle finger. I yeah. hate it. So that was bullshit. But anyway, we own the DVDs of a shot at love of Tila Tequila now. <laughs> That's true. All right, Kelsey, uh, give us your plugs. What do you want to plug? Where can people find you? Um, they can find me on um, all the socials. I'm on um, Twitter, Kelsey McBelsey, or I think that's my username, Insta, Kelsey McBelsey. I'm not super active. And of course, if they just um, follow the Triangle Abortion Access Coalition, I do a lot of posting there. Um, and you can always see what I get up to in my daytime at the Yellowhammer Fund socials. Um, be sure to check that out and donate to an abortion fund. Yay! All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening. I am so happy to be back. I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode, on Tila Tequila, on A Shot at Love, on the crazy shit that has gone down since this show aired. Um, so come find me over on my Instagram at Snapback to Reality Podcast or at, at Snapback to Reality Pod. I'm on Facebook at Snapback to Reality Podcast. My Gmail is snapbackpodcast at gmail.com. And if you can, if you haven't already, please subscribe and leave me a rating and review. It really does help. Um, thank you all once again for listening. I will talk to you very soon, I promise. Thank you, Kelsey, for joining me once again. Of course. All right. Bye. Bye.